from 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. This is the Chancellor's Report, featuring Mark Monet, Chancellor of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Here's your host, WUWM General Manager, John Hess. Welcome to UWM Chancellor's Report. I'm your host, WUWM's General Manager, John Hess. On today's program, we'll talk with Chancellor Mark Monet as we look back on the 2021 academic year, a year full of challenges, opportunities, and accomplishments. Mark, it's great to have you on the show today. Great to be with you, John. Thank you for having me. And when we really look back on this year, obviously it is a certainly a year of, of as I mentioned, uh, accomplishments and challenges and uh, triumphs, really, as we go forward. I wanted to start with you a little bit just to talk about what probably, you know, makes this year so unique, which is the pandemic. And that uh, that we, uh, a good portion of this year, or uh, even a large portion of the year, was uh, done remotely and is still being done remotely. Talk a little bit about, um, you know, how uh, UWM rose to the occasion and and did, did great things to help the community and help the students. Thanks, John. There's a lot on the waterfront right there. I, I wanna give so many of our faculty, staff, and administration credit for how quickly we pivoted, um, first on the academic front. Um, you know, that's our bread and butter. It's our day-to-day work and what students, families, uh, community expects. Um, and we, within a very short uh, time frame, went online. And, and I'll say what enabled us to do that was that we already were the largest uh, and leading education online provider in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we had already over 10,000 students taking some or all of their courses online. So that was a natural um, skill set that we had. And it was just a matter of expanding that, getting a lot of our faculty even more up to speed. So we made that pivot. And like a lot in this world, um, you know, we had to change quickly and and uh, make make adjustments. We had to let students out of their contracts. We had to do things that financially cost this institution a lot of money. At the same time, we, like many others, um, put students in a tough situation. We had we had no um, on-campus employment anymore because we weren't doing dining on campus. We weren't doing housing on campus. Our student union was closed. We we didn't need to be paying. In fact, we, we didn't have the money. So it, it really put students in a, in a tough situation. So we did a lot in terms of helping with expanding online uh, resources in terms of, of uh, you know finding financial aid and support and giving away and giving very low cost laptops, really doing Doing a lot first and foremost for our students. That's 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 job one. Uh, at the same time, uh, we did have uh, some financials that, that put our uh, employees into some furlough situations, and and our employees uh, blessed them. They just are amazing, and and we really came through pretty well in terms of the overall, thanks to some federal government support. But you also mentioned what we've done for the community, and as a Carnegie engaged university, we're one of 300 or so in the country out of 4,600 universities. It's really in our DNA to help and to, to make a difference. So our nursing students and healthcare students got involved with the testing, and uh, we helped promote 59,000 tests on our campus, largely for the community members. Uh, in fact, 50% of the tests that were done in the state of Wisconsin were done on a, on a UW system campus. Similarly, as vaccines became available, we've given almost 20,000 vaccines. 
again, this is across the community. It's a huge thing. Uh, so a, a lot of it has been our staff, our students rising heroically to solve something that is life-saving. It's not just life-changing. Education is like that. We do that every day. So, so on the healthcare front, on the you know economic development front, in terms of putting our students into internships, um, apprentice and, and other types of programs where they're they're learning and they're also contributing. All those things have continued. We've had uh, wonderful numbers of students, over 5,000 that have graduated from UW-Milwaukee during this pandemic. Um, so it's it's pretty amazing just to keep that, that pedal down. And it hasn't been the same, uh, but I want to give credit to the students for their resiliency, uh, amazing faculty and staff and administration. We figured it out. We, we really did. And um, uh, at the same time, we're really looking forward to being back. We're, we're excited uh, about the resumption of normalcy as the world has turned some, some great corners. But that's, that's you know, just the pride that I have and, and admiration. Uh, but at the same time, it hasn't been easy. And I know um, people are still struggling. I mean, this has not been easy for a lot of individuals. This, this has put individuals, you know, the mental health, the financial health, the, the destabilization in light of all the things happening in the world. It's not easy. So, it, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but tell me if you can tell me or just point out something that you're most proud of. Um, you know, I would have to say continuity of mission as a research and access institution. We have, where other campuses and other regions have said, we have to hunker down and just focus and almost retrench. We have said, no, we're gonna create even more partnerships. We're gonna up our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're going to um, continue with making, making ways to get that research done, to keep our labs operating, to keep um, the remote work going. So that to me is probably the central thrust is that you can't hold UWM down. <laughs> We're coming back and, and, and we got slowed down. We hit some speed bumps. Um, so we had to recalibrate, <laughs> but doggone it, we're driving. And, and I just love that anthro grit. I, I love, um, uh, despite having a lot of people who at one point were saying, oh, we can't do this or we're not gonna go down it. People got on board and we've continued to make a difference in the lives of many students, many uh, community organizations and, and uh, beyond for the state of Wisconsin. You know, I think one of the things that we probably all learned a little bit is how to communicate better, how to communicate more effectively, two-way communication, especially through electronic means. Talk a little bit about that, your sort of your journey about both communicating with students, with faculty, with parents, with employees in this whole process. John, I don't think there's anything that's much more important than that. Um, we've learned because of the uncertainty and the stress and, and where people were at to meet folks where they were. And that meant a number of different things. One is that we had 13 and counting town halls. That in this period of about a year is unprecedented. In, in my seven years as chancellor, I've had years where I've had maybe two or three town halls. I've had you know some departmental and school and college meetings, but systematically visiting with schools and colleges, having our provost, chief business officer spend a lot of time, not just communicating out, but really having dialogue, that's meaningful. Having town halls where there's Q&A built into all of them, having questions in advance and putting our FAQs together and having a website that is just updated daily, uh, really keeping that uh, front of mind. So that's one. Uh, but I think also on the technology front, the, the silver lining here is that through a lot of a lot of um, our, our different types of meetings and different types of engagements, 
we actually have more accessibility for individuals. Once we got over the first couple of months of how do you how do you um, <laughs> how do you get on a Teams meeting? How do you schedule one? How do you you know all the all the inevitable sorting that was going on. Think about the platforms that were competing at the time. I think there were five or six and every organization that you worked with or every person had different platforms. And so it was like sorting that out. And today we're down to two or three, depending on, on your world, two or three common templates and we can all use them all. And, and we're just, it's second nature. And so I think that's been something that is going to stick with us in some good ways because there's a lot of efficiencies built in. You don't have as much travel time. We have groups, for example, the Higher Ed Regional Alliance, 30 people getting together monthly, the CEOs, the presidents of all of these institutions, education and community-based organizations. We don't have to spend. If you're coming in from Waukesha or Racine to, to come to, to South Milwaukee, you don't have that travel time anymore. You don't have to commit three hours to that meeting it's just that one hour. Now, the bad side is we're all a little bit kookier, a little crazier because we have 10 or 12 back-to-back -back meetings and not enough of a break in between them. Um, but, but you know, trade-offs, right? A lot of trade-offs. But but your, your theme is really important. The communication, the skills, the changes. And, and frankly, I hope we uh, can continue with some of those where, where, where people are continuing to be flexible. I know we're gonna be in a different world. There's gonna be a lot of hybrid stuff where some people will be face-to-face -face, um, and some people will still, for a variety of reasons, find ways to, to be or need to be uh, remote. We just have to be flexible and, and, and it's a new world. So part of your job is to think strategically and to look forward. So how has some of the things that you've learned and that the university's operated, well, how will that play into your future strategic plans for the, for the university? A couple of key themes come to mind. Number one, always let's go back to the students. Students have told us, we've surveyed them. I've met with our student association leadership. I meet with them monthly and I keep my finger on that pulse and students wanna be back. So the big future is being back. And so our plans are 70 to 75% face-to-face. We'll have some remote learning because interestingly at the same time, and I think on our program before, we had the student leadership, we had some students engaged and, and they, they told you this too. They want to have the option to have that remote learning. For some, it's a learning style thing. For some, it's the nature of the material that's being covered. So for example, in a highly technical, call it an engineering or a computer science or accounting field, you might have a student who wants to have that lecture canned, remote, recorded, so they can go back and get that detail. How does that debit adjustment work on that particular T account? Or how does that particular equation on the quantum physics side, you know, how does that, how does that run that by me again? So that's one piece of it, but there's also the reality that we're in a world that's still got some questions about, are we gonna have another variant? Is the Delta variant gonna hit us hard or is it the, um, the, the, the you know, name, the, name the, the Greek alphabet of the variant flavor that may come back this fall? So students are still with their parents a little skittish. So that's one thing. We, we, we wanna come back as much as possible for community, for learning, for the social dynamics. What is a college about? What is that experience about? So that's important. At the same time, faculty and staff, for the most part, want to be back, but they have understandable concerns um, about proximity and, 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 you know, as much as we want um, all our colleagues to be vaccinated, what's the level of vaccination? So that's a big part of our future strategically. How do we elevate the number of students that are vaccinated on our campus? I'm happy to report that we're going to be 
um, having some support from system for a program that I, I can't talk about a whole lot because it's not been unveiled yet, but there will be some, some additional support for some incentives. But the types of raffles, the types of, of incentives around education and encouragement to get as many students vaccinated, that's a big part of it. And the final theme that's, I think, important that every employer has to consider is the workforce and the need for flexibility. And um, we want people to be back. I think for community, most folks are gonna wanna be back. But we also know from the McKinsey report and other data that we're seeing daily, um, we're gonna probably lose some employees, employers in general will, if we're rigid, if we don't have an accommodation approach. Um, and, and that opens up some interesting doors because for some fields such as our IT uh, folks, these are important areas for flexibility. IT workers have learned and we've learned as employers, people can do this from a lot of different locations. We've got some employees that, that in the future may work out of state or we may avail ourselves of a much different type of workforce capability wise uh, by being a little bit more remote. I'm not talking for the most part, but I'm just saying that there are some opportunities here that really can be looked at and need to be looked at creatively. So I think the, 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 the takeaway for me is that these trends, these demographics, the use of online education and some of these things, we were already going down these paths and the pandemic really accelerated, didn't throw them like in a whole new direction, but accelerated things that were underway. So fast forward, to all of a sudden the future is just here right now in a bigger and probably better way. And it's gonna take some adjustments. And the final comment is comfort level. What is your comfort level? I think everybody is trying to figure that out right now. What do I want given the life that I've had? Um, and as much as I was uncomfortable going into it, maybe I've gotten a routine and maybe, and so that's why I do think our you know, what I'm trying to, to, to convey to the leadership across our campus, supervisors and employees, is let's take this one step at a time. July, start coming back a few days a week. Um, August, we want most folks back in September. Let's really roll into this and, and meet the students where they are. You know, and, and we look back historically from uh, coming out of the pandemic in uh, 1918, that next decade was a huge growth time. Obviously, it also coincided with the end of World War One, and a lot of people returning back to this country. But, you know, a lot of people have predicted that it's this is going to be the beginning of a huge time of both technological, but also probably economic uh, growth. And, you know, in Milwaukee, as we were just you know, when we were looking at what the future was going to hold for us before the pandemic, uh, there was a lot of opportunity there, right? The Democratic National Convention was coming. We had a lot of things, a lot of building happening, and you can start to see those things ramping up again and starting up again. What is UWM's role in the community, and especially in terms of supporting the business and the the, the economic health of the of the of the city? What's what's UWM's role there, and especially in this perhaps speeded up economy that we may be facing? Yeah, it's a great question, and there's. There's probably three facets that I would uh, think about, and, and this this is one that 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 I believe is something that that is a differentiator for UWM, and, and frankly for for many of my colleagues in higher education. First and foremost, um, what are we good at? Talent pipeline. You know, we have over 52 to 5,300 students on average every year for the last decade that have gone out. And, and made a big difference. They stay here in Wisconsin. So that's your talent pipeline. And you look at the headlines, 
That will hold us back if we don't have that steady talent. You saw in the newspaper yesterday, Kohl's wants to hire 5,000 people rapidly. Well, guess what part of the answer is? <laughs> you know, I mean, higher ed in, in terms of the talent pipeline, that's one. Number two, our diversity is critical. And as much as we have had opportunities and Milwaukee is on the rise and there's a lot of great things happening, there are two Milwaukee's, there are two Kenosha's, there are two Madison's, there are two Green Bay's. We have a lot of individuals we've left behind. And a lot of those individuals, the common denominator is there's an absence of the two-year and four-year education. And that then closes doors. And we have situations where we've left an awful lot of people behind. If you look at the Hispanic and the African-American well-being indices, and they're available online, if you just Google and look at those, we are in a very challenging situation. And so the second is for us to enhance and engage economic prosperity, it has to be for all. And so that's what UWM as an access mission really has as a front and center um, uh, goal and part of our DNA. Third and final facet that to me is important on this question, to really help and, and to show the value of UW Milwaukee, it's around a university that has the research horsepower that we have. And I don't care if it's on the healthcare discovery side, instrumentations, medical discoveries, or if it's in manufacturing, the smart kind of stuff that's happening with our Connected Systems Institute and Internet of Things, smart houses, smart cars, smart homes, um, all of that, smart factories. You also have uh, Data Science Institute, the kind of partnerships with industry that are thinking forward, Northwestern Mutual, Marquette, and UWM in terms of work on cybersecurity that's going to really enable us to, to, to be in a safe, protected IT type of world as opposed to being held back as we've seen with oil refineries or um, you know beef production or other, other uh, large sector firms. So I think it's about research and, and the discovery, which is you know, the heart of any economy, if you look at the strong growing regions, Route 128, the, the Boston experience, if you go to uh, the Research Triangle, if you go to uh, where you're familiar with, you know, on the West Coast and the Southwest Silicon Valley or what's happening in the Pacific Northwest, the hubs are research universities. Stanford in San Jose, in, in that area, Austin, University of Texas, Austin, Dell came out of there. I mean, all these things come out of research universities. So, so those are three big, bold areas that I think UWM is critical and why I absolutely believe that as Milwaukee goes, so goes the state, but as UWM goes, so goes Milwaukee and the state. So there's a trilogy there that I think is really, really uh, powerful. Now, I know you uh, you had the first in-person uh, System Board of Regents meeting in June, or earlier this month. Um, can you tell me a little bit of what came out of that and are, are, are the is the board the board of regents uh, are they do they understand this and are ready to 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 um, support you and support UWM in this effort? They sure seem to be, John, and that was the 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 probably the most gratifying board of regents meeting that I've had in my seven years as chancellor. In that regard, they heard what we presented in terms of the importance of this institution to the region. We described our funding relative to other parts of the system, and we described um, this is an opportunity and what we can do and, and what a difference it can make and drew those dots, connected them very well. The discussion among the regents on Friday uh, was one of the most um, heartwarming and, and fulfilling experiences that I've had in terms of hearing their support. Now, we have to seize that momentum. We have to build on that and, and continue that. These aren't easy discussions. I also emphasized 
this should not be a zero-sum game. This shouldn't be win-loss as much as let's see if we can strengthen and grow the pie. Let's see if there's ways to increase resource bases and, and, and funding ideas and, and all can benefit. One of the most, I hope and, and, and I think, powerful themes is the role of serving those who historically have been underfunded. Um, and I'm not just talking about our institutions like you have in Milwaukee, but truly the students that we serve. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really important to do this as we see the data, as we see first the general data about high school students today. Uh, what we're seeing is that both in math, especially, uh, but in some of the social science reading and other areas, um, there's a huge decrement in learning because of the online format. And high school students aren't really excited about college if it's more of that, which is that argument to come back face to face. But then if you look at the mental health, physical health families, um, financial health and otherwise, we are going to have, and there's, there's, I mean, there's unequivocal, this is, there's no, no question about this. This fall, we are going to have the most mentally, physically, financially, and academically challenged freshman class in the history of higher ed in the United States. Then that's, so that's the general premise. Now dive into that more specific to universities like UWM, MATC, and some others who really have a commitment to serving underserved communities, our black and brown students. What we know from the Heckinger report is that, that um, families of incomes of less than $75,000 are significantly less likely to attend college, capable of attending college, and then attitudinally and financially and mental health wise, so much more challenged than families with incomes of 100,000 or more. We see data after data report, we see a number of different studies that show this. So in that context, the regents took notice and really want to help not just UW-Milwaukee, but other campuses that have large numbers or percentages of students who are low income, first generation, non-traditional, and that's helping Wisconsin if we can do that. And that lowers student loan debt if we get better funding, that helps students get through faster. And what I like to say is not as much time to graduation, it's time to paycheck. Let's, let's get these students into the workforce and it's those 20s education and employment that will strengthen this region and will 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 come overcome that divide will 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 we'll, you know the haves and the have nots um, have to be brought together and then we can move forward because we're only as strong as those that we've left behind and, and if we bring them up boy we can really do a lot well, and I think also it, that that funding formula that you mentioned uh, that 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 you're you're looking at, if that can be in some ways altered to reflect what you just said, you know, that helps that uh, feeling or the um, the the, the a access of sort of the idea of systemic racism in a community where, you know, it's it starts with right away with, you know, sort of where you are in terms of debt when you come out of college, but that also makes it harder for you to buy a home and then build wealth as you move forward. So, you know, that can have a huge effect on on a on a society and a group of folks, especially a, a, a group of young younger folks who come come out of college, want to stay here and settle. And uh, they're the ones who are going to be, you know, growing the jobs and also doing a lot of the economic activity for the community. So that's that's really heartening to hear. And John, I'd add two other facets. When you ask about UW Milwaukee's role, when we think about the community and we think about um, the the challenges that exist um, in specific zip codes, I want to tell you two things that we're doing that I think are so important. When you when you think about beyond what I talked about in terms of talent pipeline and research. 
I think about an engaged university and the engaged university that we, we, we hold a designation, that's just a title, that's just words. The real concrete action around which we're recognized is that we participate, for example, um, as a Milwaukee anchor institution. Think about the words eds and meds. We've got the largest healthcare providers in the two largest universities, UWM and Marquette, that have committed to looking at both procurement and employment in the most distressed zip codes in southeastern Wisconsin. So think of your 53206, your 53215s, and some of these others that are significantly challenged. We need to hire more individuals and buy more products and services. And think about what that means. Billions of dollars of collective employment across the largest healthcare and universities, thousands of employees. And if we can channel those forces, that's one. The second area is the work that we're doing with Milwaukee Succeeds. This is a long game. What you talked about in terms of being saddled with debt, and I talked about in terms of readiness for college, it actually starts earlier. Let's go to early childhood education. It really, the, the, the predictors of college start in years three, four, and five. I mean, you, you can determine by reading scores in third grade, eighth grade, it's just phenomenal how, and, and so if we can change that trajectory, and so we're working with Milwaukee Succeeds, that's one of their major objectives with the Greater Milwaukee Foundation and other key players, stakeholders in Milwaukee. The second is looking at black and brown male high school graduation, juniors and seniors, programs focusing on that and working with uh, mentors, working with individuals who have, we've recognized and brought forward to help participate. Those are the kinds of things that recognize this is a long game. It's not just what happens in college. It's what's before and after. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point, Mark. Uh, with the time we have left, I just want to talk a little bit about um, recapping some of the things that have been most interesting for you in the past month. You've been pretty busy, and you've done a lot of stuff. So let's talk a little bit about what you've been doing, uh, both in terms of your work, but also in terms of what you've been doing personally. Well, I'm really happy to say thank you for asking, um, John. I, I, you know, many of you know, and listeners know, I had a, a health challenge, and and I'm not completely out of the woods on the uh, uh, cancer or lymphoma front, uh, but I've been getting some good news, and I've been uh, checking out my my legs on the bike. And one of the cool parts was going down to Greenville, South Carolina, with a trek training camp, uh, and did uh, some significant uh, rides in the in the Appalachian Mountains had rides from 40 to, to 80 miles, actually 82 miles, and anywhere from three to 3,600 feet for each ride. So 245 miles, almost 20,000 vertical feet, and everything works fine. So so we're back and, and doing some great rides, doing some wonderful uh, time on the bike, uh, but also doing some fun cooking as the weather has turned and doing some great things. I've been doing more vegetarian, uh, a little bit of vegan uh, type of cooking. Some family members have really gone down that path. And I think that's a healthier thing to do on a lot of different fronts. So that's a whole new culinary exploration. Uh, so that's fun. And of course, uh, not not ever having enough time to read and 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 uh, watch a little TV uh, as the weather's turned, but but do a little bit of dabbling here and there. But but uh, enjoying life um, and and things are on a little different pace right now. Uh, I, as I like to joke, there's a little more time between crises in the summer. So so uh, it's just uh, keeping keeping things moving forward. Well, Mark, you know it's just been a pleasure to chat with you throughout this academic year. 
Um, and I know that, um, you know, it's been a challenging year, but I think it's also been a year of which we've learned so much and hopefully we will take with us what we, what we learned and carry it through into the coming years. And I really look forward to working with you and, and talking with you as we move forward in this year and into many more years to come. So I want to thank you for being here today and thank you for all you do for the university and the leadership you show for the, to the university and the community. John, it's a labor of love. It's my pleasure. And I want to turn this around and say, you have come on as our station manager, general manager, uh, done a terrific job, and you've taken on the job at the hardest time. Um, what, what, a, what, a, what a welcome, you know, in terms of everything that we've gone through. You've just done a great job. I look forward to working with you and continuing our conversations, looking at ways to, to creatively and strengthen, strategically strengthen uh, everything that we do together. Well, thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. Today, we've been talking with Chancellor Mark Monet as we look back on the academic 2021 year. Thank you all uh, for, Mark, thank you again for all that you do, and, and uh, thank you all for listening. As always, I'm WUWM's General Manager, John Hess, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to The Chancellor's Report, featuring Mark Monet. Chancellor of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. If you'd like more information, go to uwm.edu slash chancellor.